0: Welcome everyone to I guess this year in AT. It's a little late to do a year-end special, but you know, that's just kind of how I wrote. Didn't we do this last year, the year before we did this like at the end of January? But it's gonna be a bit of the past, bit of the forward. Uh, we are live, but if you're listening to this later, not live from Clubhouse, I'm JJ. With me, Joe Steinkamp. What's up? How you doing?
1: Happy New Year! Oh wait, no, that seems wrong. I mean, it's it, a is long Happy New ago? Year. If you're writing 2020, tw- who on your checks? <laughs> do you still write checks? No, you can still get check guys over at uh, the San Francisco Lighthouse. Well,
0: there you go. I have no idea what you'd do with it, but you could get it. <laughs> yep, totally there. Also over in Charlotte, Ricky Angers over there.
1: Hello,
2: hello. Happy to be here for this era in at this year feels (laughs) like a very specific measure of time that i'm not quite ready to commit to uh so yeah this era
0: something this i don't know what this is shelly hey shelly shelly brisbane brand new ios uh access for all version for ios 15 just came out iosaccessbook.com
1: buy my book and she falls out of the chat right as you give her a plug. That is amazing.
0: Oh, it is. OK, well, cool. Well, she's gonna. she might pop in later.
3: And uh, Patrick Perdue is back with us as well. Greetings. I'm here for some reason. I'm not really sure why, but and if yeah. something.
0: <laughs> I understand how that works, yeah. it's It's <laughs> been thing. way too long. Well, it's kind of funny, um, even looking at this app. So Clubhouse says, I joined on January 29, 2021, or like a week or two before it became much more accessible. And we all went on a Clubhouse run for a few months into the spring and early summer. And then by the midsummer, us and I think a lot of others started going outside more. Or maybe we didn't go outside more. Maybe we just found other things to do. But I see some names around here that got checked in from time to time that have been on this app still quite a bit. So, you know, Clubhouse is kind of a microcosm of this last year. It's kind of all over the place. But now they've added a few things, replays and such. I think we're going to kind of... Um, See where this year takes us as far as podcasts, maybe do some from Clubhouse, maybe do one from Twitter, maybe we'll do one from uh, Ventrilo, and I was kidding, we're not going to do that. <laughs> Ventrilo. <laughs> Something, whatever. Um, How you about know? audio tips? Do we go back that far? <laughs> do, do they still uh, Talking live?
2: communities, where's that?
0: Vox chat? <laughs> yes, we will actually find as many different places to host a show, but, you know, they're kind of getting out there. Plane go. Uh, Clango, oh yes, Clango, <laughs> they were cool. Matt Ader, who's all over Clubhouse and still is, and you know, I will say they they've done a good job. One thing he's done over at Freedom is like I see Freedom on here, I see Freedom on TikTok, I see him on LinkedIn for the more professional. I see him, like, they, you know, it's people are all over the place these days. And then when it comes to access technology, while there's still a lot of people that hold on to old email groups, well, that's not where everyone goes. Thankfully, because email lists are. From an era, but somehow we still hold on to them. <laughs> but uh, COVID is still the word. COVID is still the word, and that does kind of tail into probably the biggest thing of you know what's been going on, and you know we're almost two years into a pandemic, and among all the other things that have happened, there's still a lot of huge accessibility barriers when it comes to COVID, whether it's getting a test and reading the results of that test independently. Or being able to schedule a vaccine appointment, or do any of number of other things. Um, I'll toss it to you first, Joe, and we'll just kind of see where it spirals from there. Uh, just kind of some of the thoughts that you've had over that, you know, living with all this stuff and trying to deal with the additional challenges that we end up with. I was still
1: working on Greece is the word, not COVID. I okay, uh, that yeah.
2: Oh, I thought Greece. bird is the word.
1: Oh, what a family! I don't know family. what today's wordle is, by the way. So I don't.
2: <laughs> that's correct. I did four out of six, and that's all that matters, okay. right?
1: It's a 2022 trend. Hold on. Uh, Yeah. The interesting thing is that it's so regional and that's what broke down a lot of this stuff to various people was Ricky and I were able to get shots and get everything scheduled and have the opportunity to go and get what we needed for vaccinations. But there were a lot of people who were in places where there were in uh, accessible places and ways to get information let alone try to set up a time for a shot and get that all together. And then some people had it in their local drugstores, CVS, Walgreens, where have you. That is really interesting because you might find yourself going to a site you've never been to before because your local one might not have it. We were lucky in our booster. We had it at a grocery store. That is a weird experience. Yeah, just uh, wander around the produce aisle for 15 minutes uh, because we've got to Got to make sure nothing's going to happen to you.
2: Yeah, do a little shopping.
1: And
0: here's a coupon. That happened to me at Target <laughs> for my booster. It was, yes, it was, okay, yeah, we need you to stay in the store.
3: Oh, and here's a coupon for $5 off. <laughs> okay. I got to see both sides of the accessibility thing, though, because when I went to try to get information, I, I live in New York City. At first, it was really hard. I eventually got a shot through CBS. CVS, not CBS. But then when I went to get my booster... I couldn't get an appointment it was just impossible appointments just couldn't be had so I ended up actually scheduling an appointment in North Carolina since I was going there and that turned out to be a lot easier going through my old healthcare provider Wow yeah and that's you
0: know I scheduled actually I had a lot of difficulty scheduling on the Walgreens website which is interesting I had seen a lot of accessibility on that site in the past so when I went to schedule my booster I went through the channel, and it was really a frustrating website. I ended up calling them, and the thing about calling into schedule appointment is then you can't cha- uh, cancel or change it via email or any other means because you booked it over the phone. So that just became a big mess. I ended up uh, eventually moving over to the the CVS one, and that was much, much more accessible to schedule. But you know, some of this stuff when it comes to just scheduling appointments, I'm you know, we'll going into the, the uh, at-home test in a second. You know, we're almost two years into this stuff, and this is still, you know, we're still looking to these. Let's get the tool out and add the accessibility later. If for some reason the tool was created and the print was illegible, you wouldn't publish it until it was fixed. But accessibility, of course, always takes a backseat.
4: Well, it's not the tool. That's the thing. There's so many different tools out there. Like, I, my my city, Austin, Texas, had a public health site, which was marginally accessible, and then uh, there, I, I actually ended up signing up for shots from the city site and from the University of Texas site, just so that whoever had an opening first, I would get to. And the issue with the university was just, I work there and they wanted so much information that it was not just a matter of saying, hey, I could come down at 830. They wanted all of the info. So I had to make sure I had my documentation. It's like going to a new doctor, which they, they make it seem a bit, less challenging than it actually is. And then the city, it was just badly run and you would you would fill out a whole form and all the information would be lost. And then six months later, I got a phone call that said, did you get your COVID shot? Like, yeah, we kind of got that taken care of. Yeah,
2: something similar happened to me where uh, I was looking around for multiple things and then three or four months later, oh, hey, we finally have something open. But not only are scheduling Shots can be difficult for people because as you say, Shelley, that there's not one single tool. The grocery store has its way of doing things, as do the various healthcare systems and my charts and such. But if you wanted to track how things are trending in your area in terms of cases, that too is not always accessible data. And I know that people have tried in a couple of places to encourage that reporters will include alt text to describe their charts. And it seems to be very spotty. It happens on occasion, but certainly not in a regular way. So you can't easily get that kind of data without some kind of visual interpreter.
4: I want to talk about that because in my day job, I am a reporter and we do publish COVID data from other sources. And so I have a couple thoughts I have is that there was actually an accessible initiative initiative to create accessible COVID testing data that I think a guy in Boston did. I learned about it on Clubhouse as it happened. And he was taking the federal data and making it accessible. The challenge on the ground, and this is not what we ended up using, but the challenge on the ground is that when people are doing data visualizations, they're using something like Tableau or Flourish. And those tools aren't accessible out of the box. People sometimes barely know how to operate those. I'm not making excuses for them. I'm telling you what I've tried to train people on. Yeah, They barely know how to operate these data visualization tools, and they're trying to make maps that make sense to people. And then when I say to them, here are a couple of strategies, and I'm by no means an expert, here are a couple of strategies to increase the accessibility of this data visualization you've made, they roll their eyes. Even people you can get to put alt text on a static photo. And lastly, Those tools haven't done a particularly good job of explaining the accessibility they have. Basically, if you go to their websites, they'll say, we are accessible because the law says we have to be, but we don't really have to tell you how we are accessible or how one would, the tool may be accessible, but how one applies alt text or other accessibility assistance to the data is not well spelled out by the companies that make the the visualization tools that people are using. That's
0: really fascinating. I've seen and I seem to remember a couple of cases with alt text, and maybe this happens with software, right? People will use an infographic source daily testing or showing the latest daily testing. And I've seen it happen where some content management systems will see this as, oh, this is an image that you've used before. Here's the alt text that we used last time. Let's just paste it again, except it happens to be alt text reflecting older data, so the alt text actually not only is not there, it's, or it's there, but it's showing outdated information. So not only do you, you know are you missing data, but you actually have the possibility in some instances of even getting old data.
4: That's interesting. And in not in a good way.
0: Yeah, abs- absolutely. Um, the at-home thing, and you know this is kind of something that's being talked about a lot now because of now the possibility of being able to order free tests. If you haven't done that yet, you can order free at-home COVID tests through the post office here in the U.S., And there is a site for that and they are free. They are not, to our knowledge, accessible. I don't think there are any at-home tests that are accessible. And it's an issue that NFB and others have worked on. But you know, again, we're almost two years in and you have multiple challenges here. You know, a why don't we have accessible at-home tests? I'm not sure if it's as simple as that, because I don't think there ever has been technology developed, and someone can correct me if I'm wrong, to make any similar test like this accessible. I know there was some work on pregnancy tests
4: or yeah, any there other are prototypes tests? for pregnancy tests. And basically it's, it's turning the use of a color into some sort of tactile indicator or some other means of, but, but they're not fully out there either. And you're right there. And, and organizations have suggested, Ways to make these things accessible. The trouble is, these are man—you know—whoever makes the home test is going to be the ones that are selling them to the government. And so, whatever's manufactured out there, whatever's out there already, that's what we're all going to end up getting. And so, the government's like, "Well, the the stuff the suppliers didn't make it accessible. Wait a minute, you're the government. You can make them do that." You know.
0: (laughs) I mean, really, when it comes to—I mean, so. I guess you know, part of the thing is you could perhaps use a smartphone. Not everyone has a smartphone, and we forget that sometimes. I think with us being very phone forward, um, there is a system that involves test strips. I think it's called Q Health that is available, but it's also a couple hundred bucks. So it's definitely maybe not wow. something that's practical to give to everyone. But yeah, you, know, you look at yeah, if we can develop a vaccine in several months, and if there already is prototype technology out there. The unfortunate thing is this is something that the research should have happened a year and a half ago when at-home tests were first you know, being developed, not now. Because now, if we, we, as we do so much with access technology, we identify a problem, and we just as in the blind collective, we identify a problem, and eventually there'll be a solution. And by the time there's a solution, hopefully we don't need the solution now, maybe it can apply to the next pandemic if they're, for, you know or next major. Maybe you can apply it to something like pregnancy tests and it will actually benefit that. But it's just really frustrating. Oh, I seem to be a year behind the curve with stuff like this. And then we, this whole rapid action solving these problems, we're, we're usually just missing the boat a little bit. The solution is not to go to your site, as most people say, well, if you live with someone.
2: Yeah, and a lot of people don't. And a lot of people, as you say, don't even have a smartphone. And so a visual interpreter service like Ira is not going to work in those instances. And it's not that those people end up needing a test any less than those of us who do have access to that technology. I think it's just that the right fires haven't been lit and whoever they are, you know, they are concentrating on things that don't really involve accessibility. It's yet again, a, yeah, we have to get to that, but we'd like to make the assumption that somehow the problem is taking care of itself while we put out these fires, and eventually we can we can do that nice thing and research that solution. It remains an optional thing.
1: It was such a big enough issue that it was a New York Times article. I mean, that's, that's how big of an issue it was, is it bubbled all the way up that the Times did a piece on it.
4: Well, and the thing to know about that is the reason that happened is that the New York Times now has a disability reporter. She has a year-long fellowship to report specifically on disability. She's hearing impaired. We actually interviewed her on my show after that article came out. And I think she did a really good job of explaining not only the problem, the options like Be My Eyes and Ira, and how that might be problematic, either if you don't have a smartphone or if you for some reason, don't want to share medical information with other people, which is your right. And then she also discussed the prototypes for pregnancy tests and some suggestions that activists have made about how COVID tests could have been made accessible. So if you haven't read that article,
1: it's worth reading. Yeah, it's really good. Which show is that, Shelley? People don't know what show that You're is. You're right.
4: You so so I, I work on a radio show called Texas Standard. We interviewed the author of the New York Times article. Her name is Amanda Morris. And so you can read her article. But if, you, if you'd if you like to hear our show, I'll send the link along and we can put that in the show notes. Because we have there's an audio player as well as text.
1: You actually had fallen off when we did uh, the mention of your updated book. So just to know, we got the plug in early. But it doesn't mean you can't plug
4: it again. I'll plug it later, but yes.
0: (laughs) Early, late, often, yes, all over the place. So much plugging. Well, hey, you know, your book does not have the same challenges as a lot of other things that are coming through. Uh, One of the other offshoots that's happened, you know, related to COVID, just related to things in general, are supply chain issues. And I know from being a business owner, AT guys, we sell all sorts of access tech and we've had several products that have been in weeks or months long delays due to there being supply chain shortages. Like if someone wants to get, you know, an Orbit Braille display, you know, we're being told for new purchase orders, it's going to be two to three months currently for those. The Canute was out of stock for several months and there was other things going on there, too. The Victor Trex have been out of, you know, back order for a couple months. It's the thing that's hitting our industry directly, along with some price increases here and there as well that sounds
4: like a variety of different kinds of products are you able to tell whether the supply chain is just an equal opportunity offender or if there are so. particular kinds of products that are hit hardest
0: i so i think a couple of things one you know anything new i think definitely kind of gets bogged down because you could be waiting on any part to kind of get split them together to do t- uh, sampling testing I know there are some companies, and not to say that any of the companies that are having current challenges are doing a bad job, but some companies have gotten luckier as far as just, hey, happen to have all their parts in stock or maybe they had a nice surplus of things before so they are doing better. But I don't think it seems to hit, you know, it's going to hit a Braille display just as much as it's going to hit a smartphone. And I don't know, I'm pretty sure it's just all over the place. It's not just tech products at all, for sure. It started with the silicone thing. But then you know, then of course you had the the ports being backed up and everything else. So it's way more now than just a silicone uh, problem. You mean it's not an, an
1: Xbox, PlayStation Five problem? I I, no. I wasn't aware. Well,
2: see oh. it it hits everything, not just oh, assistive technology. Horrible. It's uh, your games are affected too.
1: Those things talk. They they do. <laughs> they, do. <laughs> they do. We'll get that. In and
4: minute. my guess too is that, and I'm not sure how all these things are sourced. But my guess, too, is that when you have assistive technology that's ordered in smaller quantities, you might even have more difficulty getting what limited supply is available. Yeah, and I think it's interesting that,
2: you know, people have been waiting for specific things for a very long time. The The release of the Brilliant was something that was super exciting for people, and a lot of people wanted it. And uh, so... People went out and ordered and I've seen instances where people are angry at the companies and saying, I feel like this is vaporware because you promised me that this thing was going to exist and now I can't buy it from you. And explaining to people that the supply chain issues aren't just something that you hear about in kind of an abstract way. It affects everything, including that thing you've been waiting a long time to buy. And it's not necessarily the company's issue that there are back orders. So it's great to see new releases like the Brilliant having such success. And uh, I'm sure there are lots of people disappointed about supply chain issues. But, you know, those things are they're cranking them out as they can.
1: And it affects the prices of things. So even mainstream technology like Apple products, or uh, if you wanted a, a new pixel, the new pixel took forever to get here for Ricky. And it was just uh, the ability of how much they could make the demand of what those were. And for some people, the cost because everything is very tight. We're looking at an inflationary curve and food has gone up in prices. And, you know, we're seeing seven, 9% in some sectors, Then throw that in with the technology that we've been kind of conditioned to buy every year, every two years, every four years, whatever your cycle is. And if it just so happened to work against you on timing, that was even more of a problem, even for people who are mostly Apple fans. And
2: even seeing things like Amazon, you used to be able to order something and by the time you had clicked the buy button, it was being dropped outside your door. And now it's there can be delays in that. And nothing that is in my mind, significant, unless it's something essential, in which case, you know, hopefully there's another way to acquire it. But it is those changes that show just how, I guess, good and cushy things were. And then as those things slip a little bit, you know, it's interesting and not necessarily in a good way to watch What happens is these delays happen and just how angry people can be about it, even if it isn't something that is essential. You got to have it right now.
3: I've been waiting four months for a little piece of plastic. I'm really glad that's not essential. It's like an inch and a half long for a project. And uh, normally these things would be, you could probably go out to a hardware store and find this thing, but absolutely nobody has them. So here I wait. Wow.
4: Wow. We've been really fortunate in, well, unfortunate in the sense that we've had to buy a number of major appliances in the past few months because things have died, and fortunate in the sense that we've actually been able to find them. We didn't necessarily have it as quickly as we wanted to, or the color that we wanted to, but... I feel like given what I've heard from folks that we've been really lucky. We, our washing machine died and a week later we had one. We got the TV we wanted. Was it a little more expensive than I would have liked? Yes, it was. but I, I mean I only I only mention that just to say that it's real and I have experienced long delays with Amazon and delays that were inaccurately reported initially. but uh, it's it's possible to find things, but sometimes a little combination of luck and a lot of research is what's needed.
1: You didn't know that 70s Avocado Green was still available.
4: <laughs> no, yeah, that's right. Well, it's a good thing it's in my laundry room.
0: There's always the Habitat uh, Restore. There you go. <laughs> for, for all the older, older stuff. So let's uh, move on to some of the actual technology that, well also has been taking a while, and we've been talking about this for years in various forms, but it looks like the NLS e-readers are finally getting to a point where they're popping into quite a few people's hands and quite a few states to review slightly. It's a 20 cell Braille display that's going to be free. It's a kind of limited feature Braille display, but in addition to reading books, it will also be able to connect as a screen reader. And the way I understand it, half the country is going to get a slimmed down version of the chameleon slash B I twenty X from Humanware. And the other half of the country is going to get a product from Zumax, which I'm not sure if it's based on the the Vario twenty or if it's something else, or if it's his own thing or
1: I, I don't know where that's coming from. Has anyone even seen that? But Did it split into the middle like, tag-alongs? Like, this part of the country gets these Girl Scout cookies? Yes, the Girl girl.
4: Scout Braille display uh, flavors. I'm imagining people at CSUN trading them. Like, ooh, I don't like the one I got, but I like the one you got.
0: (laughs) I was thinking, yes. I, I mean, you don't get to pick. It's your state. Unless you're, you know, like... Patrick or someone that maybe you can just somehow claim residence in a couple different states
4: or, you know.
2: multiple home states, that's a good plan. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know that anybody has seen it, and I also don't know that it's based on anything in particular. I know that there were prototypes being built, and just in reading about the prototypes, it seemed like it was – a somewhat new thing rather than you know here's this Vario and uh, the software has been changed a little bit the ZoomX but, half.
0: We, right the other right one exactly
2: know. the zoom X half yeah the the human wear bit you know lots of people have gotten their hands on one of those but I've not heard of anyone and there are people all over the country that kind of reported about what display they've gotten thus far and I've not heard anybody talk about that. So once we open it up, we'd love to hear if anybody has seen this Zomax one.
1: JJ's yeah. going to do an, I fix it and find it's nothing uh, but Braille Legos. It's Braille.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it is rotate. Yeah. If anyone has one, definitely uh, let us know uh, here or on uh, feedback at blindbargains.com. Uh, let us know what you got and how it's working out. Uh, I would suggest that you, I know some States libraries are doing waiting lists. And that reminded me, I need to call ours and get on our waiting list to get one of those. The other part of that, um, this is my you know my business side of me looking, but I think it might affect things, is how will this affect the sales, the consumer sales of 20 cell displays or even any display? You're going to have a lot of people that will just get the free one. So you have still the you know, the orbit option and then you still have the BI-20X, which gives you more features than the NLS one. But you know, it's going to be also nineteen hundred bucks, or the chameleons, you know, fifteen, sixteen hundred dollars. So it's a quite a bit of a leap. Obviously, some people are going to want a bigger display, but for a lot of people,
1: why yeah, would you for buy a lot of people,
2: else? this would be ideal. That's what they want it for. Is I want books, and I maybe want to use it with my computer or uh, my phone, and that's basically it. I don't need a ton of internal note-taking features or whatever. So. I suspect that that may change the market some. It remains to be seen how much. And I also am curious just how many people truly would never have had a display, even an orbit, really felt out of reach, and this is going to get Braille into their hands. So I like to think about that rather than people who have three displays already and uh, here's another free one when somebody's still on the waiting list who has zero of them. But, you know, that, that may happen a bit, too. Yeah, I was well, going to yeah.
4: say, it, the idea that more people get Braille and that it brings awareness to Braille as a way, an additional way that I can consume, that I can read, that's only to the good. And it does feel like it's going to cannibalize Orbit much more than other displays, because I think the differences between the... More expensive displays that have note taking features and connectivity to phones and stuff like that are, are, are far easier to make to explain to folks. It'll be interesting for Orbit. Now, I think you know it's going to be hard to figure anything out for the next year or so until the supply chain sorts itself out, both for these devices and for the Orbit. So, we're all going to be in sort of this weird limbo of, well, Do I get one? Do I get the free one? And am I in a position to compare the free one to something that I might pay a few hundred dollars for? In other words, is it going to energize somebody who gets the free one and goes, oh, wow, this is really cool? I'd like a couple of more features. But when can I get that?
3: The other thing is, though, we're just talking about the United States. Uh, Other countries have had programs like this in the past and still do. So, how will that affect them? Probably not. As much people like HumanWare are still going to be sending things all over the place, that I don't think is going to be too affected. I can't think of specifics. I know some of the Scandinavian countries basically are, are giving them out. They have been for years. Canada, some places in Europe have uh, credits
0: as Denmark. well. Denmark. Yeah. Does Germany do that? Maybe. Yeah. I've seen some places where it drives the price up though too, because if they say we're willing to pay up to just to pull a number out, five you know five thousand dollars for a Braille display. Yep. Well, suddenly you have a bunch of Braille displays that cost
2: $5,000. Yeah. I do like, though, thinking about the number of people who are brand new to Braille. So they're learning Braille now as opposed to when they grew up. So kids or even adults who are losing their vision and they're learning Braille and they maybe don't know it well enough yet to say, hey, I'm gonna buy a braille display because I'm gonna be reading on it all the time. But if they have something from NLS, it gives them a way to practice those skills. And, you know, now they have the books right there when they otherwise may not have been ready to make that financial investment just because it's a new skill and they're not they're thinking, well, I don't know if I'll use it every day or not yet.
0: Yeah, let me uh, attack a couple of things on there. So, yeah, definitely, especially for younger people, being able to get a Braille device at a young age, I think, can be really impactful, and especially if they're able to pair it with a smart device. Not everyone will, but people that can pair it with a smart device, you can do even a lot more with it and learn to, at a young age, have Braille a part of your life, because a lot of people, I think, have access to Braille in print, you know, Braille in hard copy, but don't get a chance to, you know, use Braille electronically to a much older age because, you know, they can't afford it or their school district can't afford it or whatnot. To Orbit specifically or other countries or companies, I'm sorry, Venkatish apparently at the, they have a monthly users meeting and he did say on that meeting that they are working on new stuff. So I don't know what that means, but there might be some stuff around CSUN. You know, I mean, obviously, they're aware of the pilot, and you know they have to be thinking about stuff. So we'll see. Maybe they have some things further along in the pipeline uh, than we're there. Maybe it's – I don't know if it's Braille-related or something entirely different.
1: no idea. And it gives you a, an ability to at least base a conversation around, okay, I know this is a 20. I really need a 40 or an 80, or I need this to refresh faster, or I find that I like – you know, the cells better on these devices because of the refresh rate or just how they feel. Some people like Hondas for driving. Some people like uh, Mercedes. Others have the ability to afford a Corvette. There are different cars out there. And for some people, they don't have the ability to know that there's anything more than a VW Microbus, right? So here's a car, your first starter car. Uh, It's not a hand-me-down. It's a new car, but it's at least a new car that you can play with and then realize that, once when you do have an opportunity, there are different displays out there. It doesn't have to be like this. There are actually ones with note-taking and ones with these features or those features or, you know, that kind of thing. It was great for the Victor Reader out of the original ones. Because even though there were the NLS players, uh, it was real easy for people to find that there were many other features within that in the book sense and other players of the time and that the NLS thing was really limited. So while they started there, it was usually a player they gravitated away from.
2: How about tactile graphics? Have there been updates on the kinds of things that are available, like a big tactile graphics display? I know APH has worked on something for a while, and I thought I heard of some updates coming down the pike for that, too. Am I dreaming that?
0: There's a prototype. Greg Stilson gave an update about this at SiteTech Global. Um, I covered it in the December Access World. So you can go over to afb.org slash aw and look at that. And... He has one in hand. There is a working device that is intended to improve upon what was being done uh, with the graffiti. So this is a partnership between uh, APH and I believe HumanWare is involved as well. They wanted to do tactile graphics and Braille on the same thing. Because one of the things about the graffiti is they had these really big, huge dots. So the Braille on that definitely was... Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I think it's the idea is to have more regular Braille-sized pins... Only one dot height, so that's something that some people might think is not as cool because the graffiti had up to four different heights. It's still not going to be cheap, but it seems to be the impression I got in the next year or two. I want to, maybe it's, if he's it's going to be at CSUN or someone, I definitely want to play with one of these. Maybe I'll even give it back to him. Maybe.
2: <laughs> that's very kind and gracious of you yes
0: <laughs> also um i mean since i got you um are talking about braille ricky i'm just curious too when I mean, we looking at the higher end of the braille note takers i'm curious what your thoughts are in that so you had the the hymns bs6 come out the Braille note touch plus is there i don't know how much room there still is for these types of displays especially as the middle the BI 20X and 40X and others are adding a lot more features to kind of, you know, fill in. They used to just be Braille displays. Now they're kind of these smart devices that often have Wi-Fi built in or can download Bookshare books or do barter, other things. So like, where do you see this whole market going?
2: So, yeah. And certainly from a personal standpoint, I think that the 20X and 40X, the Mantis, things like that, that have braille you can connect it to wi-fi and download things they're very minimal note-taking capabilities really just you know you can write your own files and you can open different types of things but that's what i like for me personally i still have seen people who really appreciate having say the braille sense 6 or the braille note touch because for one they like having both speech and braille in the same device. They like having something that is contained. You can leave your phone and your computer behind and still do some browsing on this unit with Braille. They just like that feeling of having the self-contained device and that is its function to do a little bit of everything and yet not be a computer exactly. And I think the other portion of that audience, I guess, maybe is education because these devices can do things like connect to an HDMI and display things for a teacher or what have you. So there's some collaborative things that the note takers are great at, some things that they do in the classroom that we may not think of here because we're not using those types of things we're maybe just connecting to a phone or whatever, and if we had to show someone something, here, look at the phone while I do this. So I feel like there is still a segment that can benefit from these, but I don't think there needs—I I don't think every company needs to make one.
3: Hey, before we leave the topic of Braille, though, can we can we complain? I want to complain. Yeah, Ricky. Oh, let's, that's that's here. Yes. Hey, let's yes. complain. Let's I think complain. you know what we're going to complain about. <laughs> yes, so yes, it. I do. <laughs> <laughs> iOS 15.2 and above, apparently, and the, uh, oh boy, Um, some of these newer braille displays. I just got a brand new BI-20X, and right now it's kind of useless to me for the one reason I wanted to use it, mostly that being paired with my phone. There's a big old bug. Apparently the iOS 15.3 just came out. It's a little better now, but it's still not quite gone. And, yeah, you'll be just using your phone and having a good old time, and then something will happen, and then the whole thing will just completely freeze. You don't expect it.
2: Yeah, and not just like a freeze that you could easily recover from, either.
3: We're talking like deep freeze in the freezer freeze. You got to hard restart the phone. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) And this happened for me. I was using my phone this way. It happened, I would say, about three times in ten minutes one time. It's getting to the point where I really can't use speech anymore. I I kind of am relying a lot more on Braille. And stuff like this happens. I can at least use speech. There are lots of people who can't. And this is a big problem.
2: Yeah, it's devastating for some people who don't have the option of using speech. For me, it is a major nuisance. But for others, it really is an incredibly impactful thing and the worst part about it is there doesn't seem to be a lot of info from apple about a acknowledging the bug and b uh it's imaginary when, it's when all are imaginary. we going to see the fix for that yeah and it's something again that's impacting people every day in a very major way. And this thing that you use as your daily driver can suddenly become unusable. And yet it's been months and we're not seeing a a change there. And that's, that's disappointing to say the least.
1: Yeah. And it actually slips on over to other things like touch targets. There was this trend with voiceover and Instacart was a great opportunity to experience this where I visibly could see, the touch target for different things at the bottom of the screen voiceover just did not, did not could not find focus and a lot of explore by touch, which, you know, I've learned to do with Android. So I carry it over, you know, non-visually and visually over to iOS. I was really stuck this year because a lot of the things I don't think were done wrongly by the app. It seemed to be changes that voiceover was making. And I, literally could not tap on certain things in order to buy groceries. So that that was kind of a, a thing where we rely on certain technologies because they're rock solid. Last year was the first year where I really feel like that wasn't the case. There were a lot of apps and a lot of things that I relied on that were failing me at every turn.
2: And that's a good point, especially when you think about, okay, what are the options then if I don't like... Braille here on iOS? Well, fine. I'll just vote with my wallet and go over to Android, except that Braille is not at the point on Android where it is on iOS. And so it is a situation where you are literally stuck. You know, where are you going to go? This is the only game in town.
3: There is at least BrlTTY now. I've been playing with that, but it's not integrated. It's another thing you have to install. And if you can't here, the thing, to get to the point where you can install it, that's, yeah, you're still stuck.
0: It's frustrating when you have something like that. I mean, Braille bugs, I think, seem to get pushed aside because many people assume that you have another way of accessing it. And, oh, Braille's kind of this secondary thing. And for many people, it's not. It's yeah. the it,
4: way. It does seem like every iOS release has some really head-scratching Braille bug. And sometimes they fix them more quickly than others but it, it's really a pattern, and it's unfortunate because it seems to me that the way, I don't know how Apple's accessibility engineering teams are organized, but it seems to me that interfaces with Braille displays would be a highly specific function that you would have people that are devoting a considerable amount of their, their time to. And I'm, I'm just puzzled by how giant bugs get through.
0: It yeah. seems like they don't have enough people in QA. There's people working on new features and there's some great people at Apple, but I think they're understaffed this is really what it comes down to. When you're relying on a volunteer website, I get every company has free beta testers, but man, the people over at Apple among others are doing the work of an employee sometimes. To, you know, yeah, and I
4: know they do have QA people. I also yeah, some. know a few of them, and they're overworked. You're right. They're, they're, they're very much, I don't know, again, how they organize QA in terms of the different features, but there yeah. is all sorts of free beta help that doesn't necessarily get to the level of QA stringency that you would want for testing something like not only general Braille display compatibility, but sp- bugs that might be specific to different manufacturers. Or, and to
1: follow up on your idea of, of patterns, we're getting to the point where if it isn't fixed by April, forget it. They've moved on to the next iOS. And history has taught us that some issues don't get resolved in the next one. And that's what I worry about is if it is a, a prominent bug, you know, that's it. It's going to stay with us for a little bit longer than we like it to. Scott Davert tells us this all the time. That's why he still has a device that stays on 12.
0: Yeah, that can be really frustrating for sure. Also, big, a couple more things that happened last year. Windows 11 came out. It's not on my computer. And I feel less urgency Scaredy this time. Cat. Well, no, I mean, okay. <laughs> Scaredy cat. I feel less urgency this time. Not on mine either. Because Windows 11 seems like a more incremental update. It's like, okay, we've had Windows 10 for several years, and now maybe it's time to move the version number up. You know, where if, if they were just to be doing, say, Windows 2015, Windows 2016, or something like everything else, you know, it's kind of weird how that is worked out and i still do have heard of some conflicts and things like that
4: i didn't put windows seven on day one either windows but didn't microsoft signal that i mean 10 is still available and they basically said there's some new stuff but they're they're not doing and and this is the thing that always kills me about apple and even apple coverage especially with ios they always really really want you to move to the next version and they brag about what high adoption rate they have Mm -hmm. to the next Mm -hmm. version and i know it's not a fair comparison but i don't care but microsoft basically said here's this new operating system you don't have to go to 11, but you can. It is major upgrade, but again, it's not a major upgrade. And so, I don't know. I mean, I don't have a Windows machine currently, but if I did, I probably would put it on because if it would be sort of my test machine, but if it was my daily driver, not because it's particularly worrying or anything, it just be, I guess it would be sort of, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And if there's not a compelling new feature that I really needed in 11, I'm not sure I'd be rushing right out. I don't have Big Sur on my Mac right now. I'm going to get mm-hmm. it in this weekend, but that's my project for coming right up.
1: <laughs> I think we have it on four computers here at the house, Ricky. All right.
0: At least. Yeah, you know, so most well, of why them why are So one do you guys tell us what you're noticing. Or yeah. What yeah. Do you, what, why should we upgrade or are you going to tell us not to?
2: So I can't on my main machine. It doesn't support it because it's older. And so now I feel like I'm obsolete. There are problems for that. But okay. Yeah, there are. But, you know, who cares? Microsoft said no, so I'll just abide by that. But I only have it on one machine, and I don't spend a lot of time with it, so I can't say much about it other than to say that it's not a shock to the system. When you start looking at 11, there are noticeable differences, but not so much that I feel one way or the other. I'm pretty ambivalent about it. It exists and I don't wish it any specific harm and that's about it. But I think Joe spends more time with it than I do. He has the dev branches on some of his and there's a surface or two around here too that have it.
1: Old surface no less. Like I think we have it on the Surface Pro 2 and uh
2: yeah. So what, yeah. how do you feel about windows 11? Cause I think you don't even have a machine on 10 anymore.
1: I do not think I do have a machine on 10 or if I do, I don't have it active. The thing I felt about it is that most people generally don't get a new version of windows until they get a new computer. I don't think this changes that needle whatsoever. It is not something you have to have. It's not something that's going to be horrific It's something that you can bring on when you're ready. Now that, you know, screen reader compatibility is uh, more on board with that. I think that's kind of cool. But for low vision users, it has some goods and some bads. You can actually change a lot of the colors and make things uh, go away if you don't like transparencies. But if you're someone who has central vision loss, the start menu being in the middle of the screen might be something that might be unfortunate because if you have peripheral vision, you're used to that start menu being at the bottom left. So there are little things like that, little, little things you don't know, little gotchas until you're in the middle of it. And for those people, that's why I say it's not worth taking a dive into windows 11 unless you feel like it's something you have to have, but it's not mandatory for anything, but really gaming. If you're a gamer, there's some advantages there. If you do a little bit with high definition video or uh, 4k video, there's some advantages there and it's designed to take advantage of the newer systems. So that's why Microsoft really leaned into the messaging as right or wrong as it was. And boy, was it pretty wrong that you, you know, only newer systems or these uh, components can use it. And only these people should, in fact, if you have that, we're not even going to show it to you. We're going to kick it out of the registry. Uh, You can go get the ISO, we'll still say no. So they relented on all of that. We'll do a little bit more as it is a Windows in progress. More than 7 or 10, they're going to do things kind of like Apple does. Like, you know, it's been four months, here's a major feature update. What? Where did that come from? But Joe, they were doing that though. I
0: mean, Windows 10 every six months has had a feature release and there's always been some incremental things what's different this time other than a number right we're getting a new mail
1: app we're getting a new mail app six months down the release from windows okay 11 and a new notepad they're actually doing major features major components updating in flight so it is kind of different in that way and they're going to slow down the updates for windows 10 naturally and for enterprise, they're going to be like, yay, that's what we wanted all along. Any, you know, that, right. That's great. Uh, but for Windows 11, they're going to play pretty fast and loose because if there isn't a large adoption curve on that, then they have the people, the enthusiasts, and they're used to that.
2: So do you think Windows 11 is like kind of Microsoft's playground where they can throw things out, see what works, see what doesn't, meanwhile... The majority of people, and certainly Enterprise, are happy on 10. It's a solid OS, and Microsoft still gets to have fun and do a little research with its user base, I guess.
1: Right. 10 is the new 7.
2: Well, this one goes to 11.
0: Well, 7 didn't. uh, I mean, you're right. 7 was around for a minute.
1: Oh, there are people who won't give up seven right now until <laughs> the <That BOL, laughs> end is of true.
2: Life.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, we remember, even in our our little world, people giving up XP and it was a thing when and VDA <laughs> and others removed XP support. Like, okay, guys, it's been people have like had grown kids
1: <laughs> almost of <in> the time. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well,
4: and with XP, there were actual exploits and bad things. Yes. Like, you have to give it up. No, no.
1: And you have to use the Bliss desktop, or your draws won't work right.
2: Yeah. Isn't there still an NVDA XP version downloadable from the site?
0: Well, you would you can download the last remaining, which I think was 2019. Actually, it was 2017.3. Microsoft yeah, says okay. that Windows 11 is well-loved and has been adopted twice as fast as Windows 10. But what's twice of a well
4: minuscule lumped. percent?
1: I, <laughs> you know? I mean... The beautiful thing about statistics is that I can use them to prove that people are right 50% of the time. <laughs> For sure. Um, um, I guess let's just talk about, um,
0: really quickly, <laughs> Joe, quickly. <laughs> uh, but no, but the gaming thing. I mean, I bring up accessible gaming because a lot more mainstream. I guess I'll go
4: have dinner. I'll be back. In no, that's like a quick, no, we're going <laughs> to oh, do, no. do this quick.
1: Uh, no, kidding, Ricky, beat, Ricky beat her first Xbox game this year. She beat her first PlayStation Lost. 4 game last year. That's true. You know. And she beat her first Xbox game this I year. I did. I'm, I'm probably on the one me. talking to more to about around, gaming than right. anybody. <laughs> well I mean, I've been
0: playing Hearthstone for the past few months there's someone working on World of Warcraft mods there are things from other companies as well there's lots of you know lots of mainstream titles some of the, the football games a lot more going on it feels like the, the awareness you want to talk about an issue that has reached mainstream awareness I think a lot more people now have an awareness that there is a desire to have accessibility features in game you know, look, even look, look at the Jackbox titles they don't, they're not perfect but they keep adding more and more stuff every year that come, they come around
2: Yeah, we need to buy Jackbox Party Pack 8. I think, is it 8? Is that the last?
0: 8's the latest. Yeah, Yeah. it's the latest.
2: Yeah, we need that. And I think you're right. I think that mainstream is far more aware that gamers don't all, you know, there's no one size fits all. And I think, like you said, JJ, the Hearthstone thing and console games being more playable and not just by People who are hardcore gamers and ready to do a lot of workarounds in order to be a part of that, but people who approach it casually like I do, I don't I don't have the bandwidth to try and figure out a ton of things just to play the game. I'm hoping for a bit of escapism and to be able to then approach it without having to think, what do I have to do to... Be on a level playing field. That's a a nice feeling, and I think it can only get better from
4: here. So that's my question. I, I'm somebody who I'm distant enough from gaming that when I think about it, when I think about wanting to do it, I'm still at the point of kind of throwing up my hands and going, "I don't know what I should get. I don't know what my realistic expectations should be." And I talk to a lot of people about accessibility in gaming for for parallel and just and I read what I can, but. I just feel like it's still really fragmented. There's a lot going on, but if you're trying to dip your toe in the water and trying to get into it and you don't just have, you know, you don't have somebody like Joe to sort of point you toward the things that you know are going to work for you. (laughs) It's still a bit of a challenge for me anyway. It is. And I think
2: it's getting better though. I think that even last year, there wouldn't be as many things to point to. And so I think that the more companies are aware that everybody wants to play their game and the more that uh, people have kids and those kids want to play things and, hey, join in with me. Oh, I can't because it's not accessible. You know, that's going to continue to get a little more attention. I like how not only have games become more accessible. Although, as you said, Shelley, we're, we're still not there where a casual person can easily figure out, okay, what should I go do? I think that not only have the games become more accessible, but there've been a couple of games and one that I can think of where it sort of turns it on its head. So here's a game where there aren't really many visuals and so blind and sighted alike are on a similar playing field and the game was relatively successful. So not just blind people played it sighted people did as well. And it was kind of an interesting concept. The veil. Yes.
1: Which was up for a uh, best accessibility at the game awards, which is a recognizable industry award show and the veil uh, by flying squirrel was available on xbox and that's the game that ricky beat and it was super cool we uh, have a demo of it from 2020 october 2020 yes october 2020 i did a a demo of the veil so you can get an idea of what that sounded like if, if you don't have something like that to play it's also available for pc and it was nice to have these games show up on a national level it was nice to have xbox do their audio description last year. So whenever they did a major YouTube event, like the 20 years of Xbox, uh, they had a live describer. They did actually uh, experiment with synthetic speech at E3, and that was kind of pushed back upon by the community so they wouldn't get a live describer again. But just the idea that these companies are having audio description during their massive presentations is such a win and such a big thing for where we were just years ago. But iOS gaming was pretty on board this year too. If you look at something like uh, Quest, there's a developer who really engaged the community, really took the feedback, and the community defended him. Usually when we have a developer that wants to do something nice for the community or tries to do some outreach, there's a little bit of a... a, a your game costs too much, wine, 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 bitch, bitch, bitch. This time the community pushed back and got rid of some of the people from within it and really pushed for a positive dialogue with the developer and got very defensive of the developer. It was a fascinating thing to watch on the uh, Facebook chat. And that was really great. And he responded by adding more and more things that people have requested into the game. It's six months down the line. And he, you know, was up for an Apple Viz Award because of his community engagement and the things he would add after he launched the game. It was really exciting.
4: And again, that's a, a mainstream game. My criticism of the iOS gaming world would primarily be on Apple because of Apple Arcade. They haven't really made any particular attempts to encourage development of accessible games or to provide us with a, an understanding that, Accessible gaming is a part of something you can do at Apple Arcade. And there's a lot of casual games in Apple Arcade that people could play, but I'm not going to join it unless I have some sense that there's accessibility waiting there for me. The
1: same thing goes with Nintendo. The Nintendo Switch is the rapid, fast-sellingest console ever. There's not a bit of accessibility on it. There's accessibility on a PlayStation 4. You know, you can get speech on that. There's PlayStation 5, X. Box has speech all the way back to the original xbox one but nintendo has nothing but the ability to change it to high contrast and a little bit of a magnifier and that's kind of sad because it's such a family-friendly option for people
0: I think and google is the same way they don't too. look
1: like they're going to change
0: google is the same way too with their they same thing play pass incidentally if you're a verizon customer you get those uh, your choice of that for free now so maybe i'll get to, ch- to check out the play pass and see if there actually is anything accessible I'm guessing no, but I would love to be proven wrong. Let's just talk about uh, before we we end up um, travel plans. And I'm gonna warn you in a couple of minutes. We will do the question that I got to think of an answer for. Even um, last time we tried to do predictions, then COVID happened, so everything went out the window. But uh, be thinking about a 2022 prediction. But uh, before that, uh, travel plans. Like, how are you approaching this year? Is anyone going to convention? So I, I did buy a Sun ticket and i don't even know what the csun conference is anymore they got hit hard because of COVID, and the way they did not handle it well in 2020 it made some people really mad including dq who now hosts their own conference the same week as csun that is free and virtual it looks like if i'm reading correctly that google and microsoft and others are no longer sponsors at csun so I don't know what that conference is going to look like. I'm really only going because there are a couple of vendors, including Overflow, who sells the VersaSlate, and Metapo, who sells the BlindShell, that sell products that we as AT guys represent. So I'm going to connect with them and some other people. And because it will be warmer than it is here, so there is still that. Uh, Scott Dabbert actually is currently down in Orlando at ATIA. He says he didn't see much except for the inside One tablet, which somehow is still around. And How is
2: that? Wow. <laughs>
0: yeah, I, you know, it's unfortunately, I just don't think it's a thing that really has worked out. Um, he says the Envision glasses are lighter than he had thought and it was actually working pretty well. So that might be a thing But I'll try to track them down. But uh, is anyone else going anywhere? New Orleans, question mark, if it happens for NFB or Omaha ACB? That's,
2: I mean, New Orleans is a little more likely than CSUN. So I usually go on kind of company sanctioned and on the company dime and neither of which is happening this year. We're not traveling. So there's not a travel budget this fiscal year period. So I didn't feel like it was going to be worth it to go to CSUN just because of how poorly things were handled before. And I'm not sure what that conference is going to look like. It wasn't worth it to Go find out for me. I do think that ATIA, I'm seeing a lot more people going to that than I have in years past. And I find that interesting. It'll be, you know, ATIA used to be a major deal. You'd go to ATIA and then CSUN, yep, And then ATIA sort of became... It's all about K-12 education, which is great, and not a ton of blindness stuff there. I don't know if ATIA is reinventing itself, so I will look forward Lots to seeing of AAC. what people say I, about that. I honestly yeah. think
0: their focus is becoming a lot more uh, augmentative communication. Yeah, There's a yeah. lot of that there. And so I, with them moving in that direction, I think CSUN in a web accessibility direction, Like, do we even have a blindness tech conference anymore? Is there room for a new one?
2: I feel like there could be. I think that it's time- Things got shaken up a little bit, both in terms of uh, maybe having a new conference and also, and I'll try to keep this brief, but I think people who couldn't travel for whatever reason, whether it was financial or health reasons or otherwise, even before COVID, they were never able to go to conferences. And now I think the pandemic has allowed since so many things are happening virtually, people to join and find a sense of belonging and community and they're able to learn things and they're able to go to conferences virtually that they never could have before and now it feels like a lot of the progress for those people is going to just go away just like that. So they've found this wonderful thing and now it's going to be gone and that is very unfortunate. I'd like to think that things could be reimagined in such a way that hybrid conferences could be a possibility.
4: CSUN was always kind of two conferences. It was the sessions that you had to pay 500 plus to go to see and that people's companies or their academic institutions would send them to. And then there were the exhibits and the uh, showcase suites where we spent most of our time. And it felt like those were kind of separate economies and you'd have separate motivations for attending that was more focused on the business side and you're right ricky about the virtual nature of the conference part like the sessions like what why would i go at the risk of my health or for to spend money if i my main interest is in going to see speakers when that could be handled virtually and if i'm not going to be there for that then what's the motivation for the companies? to come and display their wares so that when I'm not in a session, I can go. And that the sort of business economy where we all went to Google parties or we went to exhibits or went to their showcase suites, a lot of the people that were at those events weren't going to the sessions, but the reason they were at CSUN is because there were people going to those sessions who had money to spend and who could buy AT. And it just feels like between COVID as a general matter and CSUN's not handling 2020 very well it just feels like that's kind of broken and I, I think you're right to focus on well do do we have a blindness conference is it limited to the conventions i mean that because that those function in a very very different way than these sort of business and technology focused conferences like csun and atia always have
0: yeah yeah i just saw an exciting sponsor that wasn't up there for this might mean there's some accessibility coming you know who's sponsoring csun now pluto mm. tv
4: what really really
0: Wow. I mean, it would make some sense that Pluto TV, if anyone's not familiar, is one of those, it's a f- collection of free TV channels that you can access on pretty much any smart device or smart TV type device. And their apps have not been the greatest. So maybe they it's are. It's owned by, uh,
4: Vi- I was going to say Viacom. Viacom. Is that what they're called these days? But yes, yeah. it's owned by Viacom. So a lot of the Pluto TV channels are created from Viacom content. Yeah, you get it on almost any platform. And what accessibility does exist is provided by the platform. And it's usually, well, it's not provided by, but it's, they lean heavily on whatever platform it is, whether it's Apple TV or Roku. But the apps themselves are designed in such a way that you can get lost easily. And yeah, I've, I've watched a little Pluto in my time.
0: <laughs> well, cool. Here comes the train, which uh, signals that I think we've got to close down on this part of the show. But I'll send it around the room for people to give contact info. Hey, there it
1: goes.
0: Patrick wants to get rid of the train. Yes. No, you can't. No. Get, you can't get rid of the train. Too late. I've already done it. <laughs> uh, we'll send it around the room so people can give uh, information and also give your 2022 remainder 22 prediction. Anyone want to be brave to go first, <laughs> or otherwise, I'll just pick someone out of it We do like the uh, uh Hey, Joe, you've
1: been the quietest lately. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I'm sorry, he Pluto TV sucks. That's because we told him
4: he couldn't talk about gaming for an hour, and he's He, right, sold and it. he, he said, "Forget <laughs> it. I don't care about
1: yeah. any of you." He's like, I'm done. <laughs> uh, no, I, I find that ironic. Actually, Pluto TV is like such a uh, a weird thing on so many different platforms. So, uh, I hope uh, they're prepared for what few blind people go to that conference to be here. I'll be there. I will
0: check into them.
1: it. <laughs> yeah. Definitely a thing uh, when you're not at the open air buffet. Uh, You can find us, of course, over at Blind Bargains, blindbargains.com. And you can find uh, more information, more content, things actually happening. Yay! Things on the feed, things on the front page, things on Twitter, things in Clubhouse, things in other places. It's going to be really interesting. So uh, things are going to be a little different, too. I think that's kind of exciting and new. You can always read about that kind of stuff or see conversations happening between all of us on stage especially if you follow me, Ranger Station, all one word, twitter.com slash rangerstation. And a prediction. I will say that I think we will see a flood of little dongles on TVs, and none of them are going to work very well, if at all, with accessibility. And if they do, it'll be from the cloud, like the way Comcast does it. So I think we're going to see cheaper Chromecasts, little sticks from Microsoft, Another kind of round from Amazon because it's Thursday and Amazon has a new product so I think we're gonna see a whole big war of of streaming things because it's such a lucrative opportunity for them to get that data and why why should they let the TV manufacturers have it when they could get on that too
0: yeah and some of that's already being announced with uh Chromecast and new small chromecasts and and whatnot Ricky
2: Okay, so let's see. First of all, where can you find me? You can find me on Twitter, Ricky underscore Inger. And uh, you can also find me at my day job. So if you're looking for tech training for you or your clients, uh, checking out just short workshops, videos on how to do certain things with your technology, as well as there's independent living, there's braille, uh, those things I'm not as, as involved in, but you can check out hadley.edu. And uh, you'll find me on occasion on a Blind Bargains cast just like this one and occasionally in a clubhouse as well so not too terribly many places to find me but those are they and my prediction i predict that we are going to see a resurgence i guess of I don't know, should I call it retro? So less touchscreen things on devices cuz maybe maybe there're going to be supply chain constraints and people start rethinking things. So I'd like to think that we're going to see a return to some more tactile operations for like appliances and such.
0: So, like, there's, like, this Maybe surplus just, somewhere of, like, this old rubber just buttons? Just
2: knobs and buttons <laughs> like, well, we and stuff. Yes, I these. feel like they're going to come <laughs> back. So, you can totally have uh, your ovens and your washing machines and all of that
1: just <laughs> full of technically knobs. are called analog devices on Best Buy you know Ooh. analog air from well and,
2: if vinyl can make a resurgence why not that hey, if they call them analog at least there's
0: a way to identify them so they're that's true i'm also this is a new innovation for me this year i am writing these
2: down uh-huh okay
0: <laughs> so we don't have to go back so I think later mine is
2: less of a prediction and more of a wish slash wouldn't yeah. it be neat if
3: <laughs> uh hey patrick you know what ricky didn't know it but she kind of stole what i was gonna say <laughs>
2: Because I'm. <laughs> that means it's totally con- going to happen. Wait, then
3: does that mean we can also contact
0: you at Ricky underscore
3: Anger? No, 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 not that <laughs> oh. part. No, uh, you can you can contact me on Twitter at Boris in a box. That's B-O-R-R-I-S in a box, and box is spelled just like it sounds. It's not like B A A Q S or anything like that.
2: I'm going to grab that Twitter handle now. Yeah,
3: go for it, and then you can actually <laughs> follow Ricky at Boris in an actual box. And uh, I like yeah, it. It's all good. Uh, Let's see, other prediction. Actually, I'm just going to dovetail on what Ricky said here because what I'm actually seeing, and I'm I'm seeing this kind of in the amateur radio world, but this kind of can apply to just about any technology, is almost exactly what she said. People are having to find ways to work around things that they've been doing for years because they just can't find the parts anymore. And I really wonder how that's going to affect accessibility in general. Ricky said buttons and knobs. I'm all in favor of this. I like buttons. I love knobs, touchscreens. I think people in general, nothing to do with really accessibility, but I think just people in general are kind of getting tired of the uh everything's a big flat screen paradigm and uh so yeah, I don't really have anything to add to that, I guess, but that does sound like a really great future to me.
0: <laughs> Not everything needs an app. I just saw a yeah. smart toothbrush.
3: Like, what does
2: it do? Like why It'll does it will track your your brushing. I saw a
3: battery it? the other day that needed a firmware update.
2: <laughs> I don't
3: understand <laughs> this world crazy. anymore. Um, It'll track your brushing and
0: send it to to Apple Health.
2: (laughs) Does it tell you like you're doing it wrong? You're holding it
4: Close your toothbrush rings. They'll be, the watch will have a new app. <laughs> Close your...
0: <laughs> can, you, can you send your brushing data to Tinder to prove that you...
2: No uh, sh- I,
4: I think <laughs> we all should share our brushing brush data. <laughs>
2: Shelly, okay. Share <laughs> with friends. You can still do it. Brush your teeth twice in the next three hours.
4: <laughs> for 20 seconds or two, two minutes it is. <laughs> yeah. okay.
0: Shelly, where are you?
4: All right. Where where am I? Well, uh, I have to give myself a, a book plug because I did just come out with the uh, iosaccessbook.com. That's the website. I just came out with iOS access for all my guide to iOS 15. So please feel free to go to the website, buy yourself a copy in EPUB, PDF, or combination format because some people can't decide. If you happen to be listening to this tonight, by which I mean, if you're in Clubhouse with us, uh, then uh, there's a little sale going on right now. It's 10% off. If you get over there before I have a chance to change it back, you missed it. Uh, you, you will be able to, to get a little deal. But uh, most of you hearing this in podcast form, I won't get that, except that if you follow iOS Access Book on Twitter, I'm planning to do occasional sales. And I don't know, in the past, sometimes when I'm not at a conference, and I'm sad I'm not at a conference, I put my book on sale. Just keep that That's in true. the back of your mind. It happens. My prediction, and this is not wishful or positive. I just think it's going to happen. I feel like we're going to get a lot of augmented reality, virtual reality, mixed reality, anything that ends with anything with, whose second initial is R. We're going to get a lot of those kinds of products from companies. They're going to be very expensive, and they're going to be very prototypey, and most of them aren't going to be accessible, or if they are accessible we're still going to be like, wait, why, what, huh? And I just feel like all the big players are looking for a new category. And obviously VR headsets already exist and the like, but it feels like it's time silicon permitting that there's going to be a new generation of that stuff. There's already a lot of hooks in operating systems and Apple of course is rumored to be doing some sort of VR thing. So it's not a particularly bold prediction, but I feel like a lot of it's going to happen. So the prediction part is, it's going to be early days, and getting your hands on one of these things is probably not going to be the best uh, financial expense for you.
1: Awesome. At the metaverse, the, but but it's I wasn't me- going
4: to say those words. Oh,
1: okay, <laughs> okay. Just just checking. It, you know, one of the greatest things that happened last year was HBO adding audio description, and Ricky and I binged all six seasons of Silicon Valley and half of the metaverse slash uh, OR all of that. Just every time makes me think of any of those sketches uh, that were in Silicon Valley about what we could do and how we can make the world a, a better, better place.
0: place. I love it. Thank you so much. I am JJ at Twitter it is jage nine. Same as my username here on clubhouse. If you're listening to us here, J a G E nine, uh, you can, of course, follow us at Blind Bargains on Twitter as well. You can email the show, feedback at blindbargains.com. Yes, email is still a thing in 2022. And you can uh, certainly do that as well. Um, I also represent AT Guys, where we sell all sorts of access technology products, including new accessible portable power banks and other cool stuff. So that's over at ATGuys.com. Prediction for 2022. And I might have said this before. I don't know. I have to look back in the 2020s. We didn't do one last year. But I think we already have a couple. We've had the APH thing, and of course, there's a the canoe. I predict there will be another new entry. And by new entry, I mean something that actually is being created for retail in the multi-line graphic space from somebody that we have not yet heard from yet or from one of those prototypes that's been talked about in the past half decade getting to the point where it's actually getting closer to retail. That is my, that's probably a far-off prediction, but you know. That's Nippon coming back, could be baby. Hey, could be them. I you like know, it. So could be Who knows? Any one of those uh, uh, coming around. But thank you so much, everyone, for listening to Blind Bargains. And for if you're listening to us on the podcast, we will see you next time.
2: Bye bye. This has been another Blind Bargains audio podcast. Visit blindbargains.com for the latest deals, news, and exclusive content. This podcast may not be retransmitted, sold, or reproduced without the express written permission of AT guys.
3: Copyright 2020. 2.